You are now listening to Fit Life Radio, Episode 8, Dr. Frank Lipman. Welcome to Fit Life Radio. I'm your host, Drew Canoli. From fat and sad to fit and successful, my personal journey has been an amazing ride as a lifestyle entrepreneur, best-selling author, and transformation expert. I'm here to show you how to live a fit life. As always, remember, we're in this together. Let's get started. All right, Fit Lifers, on today's show, I am really excited that you are listening to this because we have one of my favorite doctors, Dr. Frank Lipman. He's written several best selling books and uh, really, really great backstory as well. He is going to tell you what he calls good medicine. It's a combination of modern, contemporary medicine, and the best of alternative and other complementary medicines, Chinese medicine, different things like that. I love the knowledge that he is imparting on today's show just for you. We ask him a lot of questions that people in our audience are struggling with, dealing with, and he uh, uses approach such as supplements, herbs, body work, stress, reduction, all of the things that we talk about at FitLife TV, puts a unique spin on it just for you on today's episode. So sit tight, introducing Dr. Frank Lippmann. Uh, Dr. Lippman has received his initial medical training actually in South Africa, qualifying in 1979, and you uh, moved to the United States in 1984, and then you became a board-certified internal medicine after serving as the chief medical resident in his final year of residency at the Lincoln Hospital in New York City. Becoming more and more aware of both the strengths and weaknesses of his training, he began to study acupuncture, Chinese medicine, functional medicine, nutrition, herbal medicine, biofeedback, meditation, and yoga. That's a mouthful. (laughs) He began to see that the polarization between Western modalities and other healing philosophies merely negated positive attributes of both. He saw that true healing lay in the blend between the two or multiple. He now practices his unique blend of what he calls good medicine combining all the systems in which he was trained. Dr. Lippman is the author of four books. Amazing information. I think I first uh, came into your content from a website called Mind Body Green. Right. I believe you were on there. You had a couple posts, and I found your perspective to be um, awakening compared to like a lot of the other doctors that were writing on there, even naturopaths and some of the Western docs. You have a unique perspective, and that's why you're on Fit Life today because we kind of share some of those similar beliefs about starting with lifestyle and changing that in order to um, heal it. So I'm I'm so grateful that you're on Dr. Lippman and I know everyone listening to this, whether you're in your car or your computer, I want you to go back when you're at home and take some notes because you're about to receive information from a doctor that's been doing this for what, over 30 years now? Um, Yeah, 36, I've been a doctor for 36 years, yep. So you've seen the cycles, the changes, the seasons, and um, it all starts with that lifestyle stuff, which I want to talk to you about. Absolutely, yeah. It's really cool. So where where is your practice located now? So I'm in New York City. Uh, I've been practicing in New York City. Well, I finished my residency here in 87, and then I started out in a clinic, and I've had my own practice since 1992. Mm-hmm. In New York City, in the Chelsea area. So you you actually grew up in South Africa, right? You came here to the United States. What inspired you to research these different modalities and actually use them in your practice? 
Well, it started early on when I was at medical school in the 70s in South Africa. Uh, my first exposure to non-traditional medicine was when I was working in some hospitals in South Africa. In those days, it was during apartheid. So they were either black hospitals or white hospitals. You know, whites couldn't go to black hospitals. Blacks couldn't go to white hospitals. That was the era of apartheid. And I always chose to work at the black hospitals. And um, what would happen is when you couldn't help a patient, the patient's family used to call in the sangoma or the local healer. And I noticed that sometimes when we couldn't help the patients, that the local healer, the sangoma, actually seemed to help. And that's sort of opened my mind a little bit and I started questioning what was going on. You know, here, you know, I've been brainwashed to think that Western medicine is fantastic and this African medicine is, is a, a bunch of crap and yet they seem to be helping some of the patients that we couldn't help. So that was my first introduction and that intrigued me. And then when I finished my training, I went to work in the bush in South Africa and then, then I was exposed to Sangomas again, to the traditional healers again. And I got more interested as I saw them uh, helping some of the patients that we couldn't help as well. So, you know, it, it really piqued my interest that here was a medicine that I was basically taught was uh, nonsense, seemed to be helping some of the patients that we couldn't help. Now, I wasn't saying that the medicine of theirs was perfect or fantastic, but it, there was obviously something to it. And that sort of was the beginning of my journey. I love that. And I, I heard another analogy that you used uh, in an interview on YouTube, actually, where Western medicine is kind of like the game whack-a-mole. You remember saying that? Exactly. I say that all the time. I mean, in, in, in Western medicine, you know, we, we train, you know, our tools are drugs or surgery. So we often use drugs and we're treating symptoms. So if a symptom pops up, let's say you have reflux and you you give someone a PPI or a drug to, to stop the reflux. And then you get another symptom, you get a headache, let's say, from it, then you take some Tylenol to stop the headache. And you're continually playing whack-a-mole because whatever symptom comes up, you just whack it with a drug to, to suppress the symptom and you're not treating the underlying cause. And you know the metaphor I always use is, you're driving your car and the oil light goes on, you don't put a Band-Aid over the oil light, you see why the oil light is going on. You take to the mechanic, and if the mechanic told you just to put a Band-Aid over the oil light, you wouldn't go back to that mechanic. But in Western <laughs> medicine, we sort of accept that, that we'll just have a Band-Aid over the symptom. We won't see why that symptom is occurring and, and how do we change the, the underlying dysfunction. Um, we, we, we take a drug to, to treat the symptom. And, and what does happen in Western medicine we do end up playing whack-a-mole because if you just suppress a symptom somewhere, it often pops up somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Now, I know you've done a lot of world travel. Do you think these other countries, India as an example, China, South Korea, these other areas where medicine seems to be uh, derived from the ancients? You know, we talk about Ayurveda, we talk about the Nani uh, medicines and the different things that are out there. Do you think they kind of laugh at the way we treat our people in America? Well, interestingly enough, what's actually happened, I mean, I don't know India, I haven't been to India. I mean, most of these um, cultures have strong um, medical traditions where they actually see um, disease as an imbalance. And, uh, you know, when I was in China many years ago, um, you, have the you had the Chinese medicine section at the hospital and then you had the Western medicine section. I think these cultures are enamored with whole, the whole Western medicine 
um, way of doing things. And although apparently it's changing back, so when I was there 10, 15 years ago, um, in China anyway, they were trying to embrace Western medicine. But then I think what's happened is they've realized that Western medicine is fantastic for crisis care. You know, if you're having an acute heart attack, if you're, you're having an appendicitis, uh, you have pneumonia, and you need an antibiotic. But it's not particularly good at the chronic diseases. So I think um, uh, what, what what's happened in China anyway, they realized uh, initially Western medicine was wonderful because it was like treating these acute crisis care problems um, and now they've realized that it only really is good for that and Chinese medicine seems to work better for these other chronic problems and and as as our, their cultures evolve they get more and more of these stress related diet related sleep deprived related problems so uh, it's very interesting so I think that is going back and it's easy in those cultures because there is more of a culture of understanding of disease as imbalance rather than you know, just treating the symptom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we. Um, I, I have on my questions of things to talk to you about is Chinese medicine. I'm familiar with it because I have been getting acupuncture for the past year once a week, just kind of as a, like a preventative thing. Right. And uh, the guy that I see here in San Diego, Jim Cheltis, is just absolutely amazing. But I know you also practice Chinese medicine and our audience probably haven't they haven't heard a lot about Chinese medicine so can you talk to that one person that may be like well what is Chinese medicine compared to Western medicine and maybe give us a minute or two explaining what the difference is well yeah Chinese medicine um, sees yeah yeah, a couple of problems with Chinese medicine because they use a lot of metaphors you know they talk about excess wind or too much heat or too much dampness so, yeah, it's a little bit of a hard thing for us in the West to, to, to grab onto a lot of the concepts. But basically, the philosophy is about disease being uh, an imbalance in the system. And you try to create balance and the disease goes away. So it's more about creating balance and improving function. There's a whole concept of decreased function and a functioning um, of the organ system. So in Western medicine... You, you, you wouldn't have a, uh, you either have liver disease or a normal liver. In Chinese medicine, you'll have decreased functioning of the liver. So the two concepts of function and balance are really prime concepts in Chinese medicine that we don't have in, in Western medicine. Um, and then there's obviously the, the whole idea of acupuncture and these meridians, which are these flows of energies, which are like rivers of energies flowing throughout the body. Um, and you know you, they get blocked, and you open them up. You open up these channels of energy, or these you know these, these rivers. So I, you know I, I'm not really hooked into any particular system, or you know I um, I have tried to westernize the understanding of Chinese medicine, and now we have functional medicine, which to me is a true combination of the philosophy of Chinese medicine about improving function and creating balance but using the Western ideas of physiology and anatomy. And so the combination of the two, to me, is a perfect combination because, um, you know, for, for the Westerner anyway, you're explaining things in, in, in Western terms, but you're still using those basic philosophies of Chinese medicine. I love that. So you address Chinese medicine, acupuncture. You talked a little bit about functional medicine. I think we, we have a good grip on that now. What about like herbal medicine? 
Yeah, well, herbal medicine is just is drugs in a way. It's 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 a, it's a safer way of using drugs. I mean, if herbal medicine is done properly. Herbal medicine is quite sophisticated. Um, the, the difference between but herbal medicine's internal medicine. So herbal medicine, the difference between herbal medicine and drugs are, if, if you use an herb, there there are many parts of the herb. In in when you take a drug, they just try to take what that one little aspect. That they need to suppress a symptom. In, in when you're using herbs, you know there are many parts of the herbs, some of which counteract some of the side effects of the other herbs. So it's a much more, I think, sophisticated way of treating problems than, than with drugs. But herbal medicine is and can be um, pretty complicated. And if you are going to use herbal medicine, go to someone who's well trained. You know, there's, there's Chinese herbal medicine. There are different. Uh, Types of herbal medicine. There's, you know, the, the Western herbal medicine, Chinese herbal medicine, the Ayurvedic herbs. Most systems have herbs that they use as part of their medicine. So herbal medicine is a huge um, system, fairly complicated, but can be very effective. Mm-hmm. Now, this is one that I'm really curious about, and um, I know you use it. Biofeedback, right? Well, I, I trained in it many years ago. Biofeedback is really just giving your body feedback with machines. I think biofeedback is, for many people, a way into meditation or self-control, learning to control your sympathetic nervous system. Biofeedback machines, you either measure skin temperature or muscle tension, um, sometimes brain waves, but you're basically uh, training your mind by getting feedback from a machine. If your skin's, you know, if your skin temperature is going up, if your muscles are relaxing, so it's really a way of teaching people to relax. It's a, in a, teaching people stress reduction and ultimately getting them to meditate and control their minds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's one of the questions on, you know, I asked my Facebook community what questions they had for you, and that was this topic of meditation and being able to relax so that it induces more of a, a sleep, a deeper REM sleep. Well, do you well have that's any- one of the things it'll do. Yeah, it does a lot of things. What that, that's you know, meditation basically from a Western because I'm always obsessed with trying to understand a lot of these modalities from a Western physiology and Western medical perspective. And and the way I see it is once again balance. And there's a sympathetic nervous system which gets you excited and gets you going through the day. Um, and there's a parasympathetic nervous system which is more rest and digest. Sympathetic is a fight and flight. Parasympathetic is rest and digest. You know when you're relaxed, and most of us have a extra stimulated sympathetic nervous system. We're on the go all the time. We don't know how to slow down. We don't know how to fall asleep. Um, we get agitated easily. And the parasympathetic system is when you relax. And meditation stimulates that parasympathetic nervous system. And you need that balance. It's good to be up and going and and um, sharp and excited but it's, you, you need to balance that and mm-hmm. one of the functions of meditation i mean it'll stimulate the parasympathetic nervous system but also help you sleep better but it also will help you be sharper and clearer and and not as agitated and as not not as reactive so to me meditation is your is, is one of the hardest but most important things you can do for your health so if, um, and I love how you said that, meditation is one of the most important things you can do. 
I've been doing it for four, four years almost now. I'm coming up on an anniversary for just five minutes a day. You know, and I, yep. I do kind of a Zazen style where my right. eyes are open. I see an object. I get real focused on it. And then as I breathe out, my peripheral vision opens up and I almost do like a vestibular drill where my eyes open and I feel grounded and I'm in the present. I'm becoming more embodied. And I think that's the big thing is people are so in their minds in Western America and throughout the world that we have to become in our bodies more because the bodies exactly. are, are super intelligent. Exactly. Yep, and that's why I love yoga is a moving meditation, tai chi, yeah. moving meditation. You can e even use exercise as a moving meditation. Most people don't. But I think meditation to me a lot of the time is just getting out of your head because we live in our heads and our thoughts and we can't control our thoughts. So meditation is a way of controlling your mind, controlling your thoughts and ultimately getting out of your head. And, and I'm often teaching people, if you're sitting on the chair, just feel the, you know, the, the chair behind you. Feel your butt on the chair. Feel your feet on the ground. Get out of your head. So a lot of meditation is just teaching people to get out of their heads and into their bodies. So, yes, I agree 100%. <laughs> I'm glad we're on the same page. Hey, I, um, I love the aspect of meditation. And I know you see you know, probably hundreds of clients every week um, in your practice in New York. Is there a basic like lifestyle prescription that you give to people when they come in, uh, meditation being one of them. What else do you tell the person that comes to you with uh, fibromyalgia or thyroid conditions or diabetes? Sure. So, so a lot of the time, I mean, are we always dealing with the nutrition aspect? Yeah. Uh, the, the big parts for me are, are nutrition, you know, the diet, um, sleep, stress, for lack of another term, and that's where the meditation comes in. Um, uh, and then improving function of the organs that are off. And, and, and a lot of times, whether it's fibromyalgia or autoimmune problems, the gut is the problem. And a lot of the times, we're treating the gut. The microbiome, you, uh, I assume you know about the microbiome and your audience hopefully knows about the microbiome. But a lot of people that I see in my practice have an imbalanced microbiome. goes back to balance again. You know, we have a lot of mainly good bugs in our gut, which you know, do a lot of things for us. Um, and this this balance of good and bad bacteria, particularly in our gut, gets imbalanced by the foods we eat because a lot of the meats, for instance, have antibiotics in. The genetically modified organisms can affect it. Um, too many sweets and starches, even the water with chlorine. So there are many factors that can affect your microbiome, even a lack of exercise, by the way. Um, so a lot of the time we're actually balancing people's microbiomes at the same time as changing their diets, getting them to relax more, teaching them how to sleep. These, so basically that's what we're doing. And everyone's a little bit different. But um, my new book, which comes out in February, which is called 10, Way 10 Reasons You Feel Old and Get Fat, are those <laughs> 10, 10 main reasons of why people have problems and you know it's it's diet and um for some for many people it's eating too many carbs for instance um as you get older how we metabolize carbohydrates changes or so we're seeing this epidemic of diabetes and pre-diabetes so that may be an issue but the microbiome this balance of the gut flora is key so often i'm addressing the microbiome at the same time as, as doing all these other things well, and I think that's the best way to do it, you know, and all the, the gastro research that we've done and looking at the gut and 
knowing what it, I mean, 90% of your serotonin comes from your gut. Right. Exactly, those bacteria make all the all the all your neurotransmitters as well. So the gut's yeah. called the second brain. Seventy percent of your immune system is in your gut, and the gut cell, you know, the cell, the the wall lining of the gut in most places is just one cell thick. So we're talking about this huge organ system down there that most people are ignoring, which I think a lot of problems start in the gut. So a lot of the times. We're starting by getting the gut right. So do you uh, do they do a stool analysis with you? Are we well, looking at, um, tell us a little bit about that. Well, that's a good question. I don't test everyone. I mean, those tests are expensive and, you know, I've been doing them for so long. I don't find them that helpful a lot of the time. Great. I, I often just start with a cleanse. I have a cleanse where in the cleanse, the herbs that kill the bad bacteria so we start by changing people's diets. We get them off sugar. We get them off gluten. Sometimes we get them off all grains. Depends what's going on. So the diet will depend, but at least sugar, dairy often. But sugar, gluten, sometimes all grains, sometimes dairy. We definitely get them off corn um, or processed food. So we clean up their diet. We often start cleaning out the gut by using these herbal antibiotics. And then we, we support this, you know, the cleanse supports the, the the liver with uh, herbs that help the detoxification there. There's a digestive enzyme which supports digestion as well. Sometimes we use probiotics initially. Sometimes we wait two weeks before we introduce the probiotics. So there are many ways of doing it, but I often start with my cleanse because that's a great entry point. Because what I've found is if you can get people to feel good quickly, then you've got them hooked. And <laughs> If you do a cleanse and you feel so much better after two weeks, most people come back. And I don't have to convince them to change their lifestyle. They realize that the food that they were eating, the diet that they were on before wasn't working for them. They want to stay feeling young and vital and energized. So you got them hooked. And if you can get someone hooked onto health and wellness, then they don't, they, you don't have to try to convince them anymore. So that's sort of a trick I've learned over the years. If you can get someone to feel better quickly, then they're going to want to stay feeling better. Mm -hmm. And I think you're right. The cleanse is the best way to do that. We found that too with uh, people that come to us. We actually put them on a juice, you know, three-day juice cleanse. Right. And so, many, I, I looked at your cleanse too, and many of the ingredients that you actually have in there are juice, you know, beet juice, um, well, natural food-derived. Right, you absolutely. The, the, uh, you you just have to be a little bit careful with juice cleanses that you don't do too much fruit juice because then it's too much sugar. So that's mm -hmm. my only peeve with a juice cleanse is a lot of juice cleanses have too much sugar and that's not really the best thing because you're just bombarding your your body with all the sugar. So if it's green juices and yeah. there's very little sugar in, then it's a good idea. Um, but if it's too much sugar and beet juice may be for some people too much sugar. So as, as long as you're smart about it, I mean, there's no one way for everyone. You just got to be smart about it. Yeah. Well, I, I love, um, the formulation on one of them I was looking at, and it seems like it's more targeted towards certain parasites that you could have in your body too, with the well, black walnut. That yes. Well, that's the, the, that's the key to my cleanse. So yeah. the, my, the key to my cleanse is that antiparasitic, antibacterial herbal formula in it, because that to me is what most people need initially because so many people's guts are off. So when you start with that formula, which which is in the cleanse, 
that's what really helps people a lot. And that's, that you won't get in a juice cleanse. Now, not that you can't do that formula with a juice cleanse. I mean, this is the thing. you just got to be smart about it. But I think that <laughs> formula is really a powerful formula. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about 10 Reasons You Are Feeling Old and Fat, the new book that, that you have coming out, right? Yes, out in the end of February. It's a great <laughs> book. So the 10 reasons, we'll give you the 10 reasons. The first reason is you, your diet, you're probably eating too little fat or you're not eating real whole foods, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, too many artificial sweeteners, um, too much junk food, uh, low-fat foods. So basically getting people to eat real whole foods. Second reason is you're eating too many carbs for what your body can metabolize. And now this is different for everyone. For me, I became pre-diabetic from eating too, you know, a, a whole grain diet with lots of fruit, and which I, I thought I was eating a relatively healthy diet. But as I got older, my ability to metabolize the carbs got got lower. And I'm 61 now, so it happens as you get older. So the second chapter, the second reason is: Are you eating too many carbs for what your body is metabolizing? Now, if you're exercising a lot, you're going to be able to metabolize more carbs. If you're sleeping better, you'll be able able to metabolize more carbs. It all depends. Everyone's different. Third reason is your microbiome is out of whack. So it's what we've been talking about, talking about earlier. Fourth reason is your hormones are off. And that's where the adrenals and the thyroid and some other hormonal imbalances come in. Fifth reason is... is uh, Stress, you know, you're stressed out, and when you're stressed out, that affects all your other systems. The sixth reason is you're not exercising, and exercising to me is movement. You don't have to go to the gym, it's you've got to move your body, and you, you, most people need to probably do strength training and core exercises and probably releasing some fascia as well. So exercise is many components. Seventh reason is you're not sleeping or you're enough or you're not getting enough good sleep. Eighth reason is your medications. Many medications cause all sorts of problems in the body. So that's when we come into the symptom whack-a-mole story we talked about early. We try to get people off medications that they don't really need. The ninth reason is you aren't taking the right supplements or some, some people need supplements to add to their diets. And I explain why it's hard to get all the supplements you need in your in a in a diet, even if it's a really good diet in this day and age, and the tenth reason is all about what I call Ubuntu, which is a South African term. It's all about um, compa- you know compassion for yourself, finding meaning, finding passion in your life, and community, having the community to support you. So, because I think if you're isolated and lonely, it's very hard to get well. So, having community, having meaning in your life, finding the passion. All of these factors are important. They're just as in, as important as eating a good diet and exercising. So those are the mm-hmm. ten. That's that's my book in five, in five minutes. <laughs> well, you guys have to buy it. You know, Doctor Lipman, it's it's an amazing book, and the content that you put out there is top notch. Which I'm so grateful that you're on. And um, just a little bit more here. We got about three minutes left. And um, I got to tell you, I saw this video, and it reminds me of the Ubuntu. A phrase that you said, they actually put a preschool inside an, an old folks home or an elderly retirement center, right? Right. And it was amazing to see the way 
uh, the people lit up with these kids around because 45% of the elderly now are now isolated and they are by themselves. Uh, over exactly. 65, 45% of them. And I, I saw that statistic and I couldn't help think, but how cool would it be to actually have like a facility or a center where it had that preschool inside it and it was this community of people being together. I think that's yeah. the greatest thing with health is, you know, we say we're in this together and um, I, I think Western America in particular with the internet and Instagram and Facebook and all these things, we've isolated ourselves even more. I agree a hundred percent. I mean, I think you've got to be very careful with the, with the, um, Facebook and Instagram and all that. I think it can be very helpful because you can find your tribe or your community on Facebook. I think it can be helpful, but you have to be aware of isolation is really not good for your health. Loneliness and isolation are, and I think most other cultures before we became so industrialized, you know, you had your little community. So there were always young people around the old people. And, uh, you, know, I, you know, I'm 61. I love all my, I have these young health coaches. I love the youth and their exuberance, their energy, their passion. It's fantastic. So I think mixing and uh, having people around you in community who, who all believe in the same thing is really important if you have, you know, common ideas. So I think, you know, part of what we need to do is, is try to bring that back. It's, yes, we've got to turn people on to exercise. Yes, we've got to try and change the way people eat. But I think the whole idea of creating community and and um, not letting old people, you know, I'm getting out there, so it's getting very personal now. But, uh, <laughs> hey, you look uh, like you're in your 30s. Well, thanks. But not letting old people be isolated. I think that's really important because I, I haven't seen that video, but I've seen that type of thing and how old people light up when they're around things that are exciting to them. I think it's important. We all need that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I love your philosophy. You know, on your website, you believe you say believe in extraordinary healing power of ordinary things. Exactly, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. And those are ordinary things that we take for granted. Music is another one. Music is very healing. So, you know, these these ha- these these have extraordinary healing powers, and we ignore them mm-hmm. because there's no science, or probably there is now. But we, 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 can't, we can't really measure it. So we don't accept that, you know, community and, and high passion, etc. and um, um, music. I mean, yeah. nature, being in nature. I mean, all things that you know intuitively, we can't measure, so we don't really see it as being healthy. I love that. So these are the ordinary things that people probably have heard. You know, sleep more, exercise, heal your gut. Um, is getting pretty common nowadays. Yep. Can you give us three extraordinary things that maybe the listener has never heard before, but you know because you're in the practice? Um, well, I think um, you know what we've been talking about now. When I when people get turned on to something and they're passionate about it and they fi- that's very healing. I, I mean, I I give mm-hmm. two stories in my book. One was this young guy who came to see us, who, who was not ostracized from his community, but um, he was a little bit different because he was into um, the environment and uh, um, natural stuff, and he was sort of looked down upon in, in, at his school and uh, in his neighborhood, and he came in and he was depressed and he wasn't feeling well, and he, they were going to put him on all these drugs, and he knew he didn't want to go on them. And we found him a tribe here. He got hooked into... Went to started going to yoga classes in the city and started learning meditation and he found his tribe and he got better. 
So wow. something like that. Um, I'm a big fan of something we haven't talked about, of infrared saunas. Nice. Um, I think infrared saunas are, are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm a big fan of infrared. I'm just trying to think of what we haven't talked about. Um, Do you, mus- um, you have an infrared sauna at the clinic? I don't because it's a, it would be too complicated. Then people have to shower in it. I have my own infrared <laughs> sauna, but uh, I'm a huge fan of infrared saunas. Huge. I think they're wonderful. I think um, they have a lot of. Uh, but let's talk. How about nature? How about walking barefoot on the beach? Yeah. Or nature. I think the energy um, and the grounding that you get from that is also very healing. I mean, these yeah. little things that we we take for granted. So I think that. You know, go walk on the beach. Go walk in nature. I think without your shoes on, sun, sun. I think if used responsibly, is incredibly healing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sun isn't the devil. You you don't just get skin cancer from the sun. Yes, you got to be a bit careful, but we also need the sun. We need to get out in the light. Um, in fact, one of the tips for sleeping better is to get daylight during the day. So I'm a big fan of the sun if it's used responsibly. Is it true that the sun has changed, you know, the shifting of the electromagnetic frequency, uh, absorbing it on the skin, now you need to absorb it through your eyes to get the vitamin D storage in the liver? Um, That is probably true because I know even when I I spend a lot of time in the sun and patients who've just been in the sun, their vitamin D levels aren't as high as I would expect. Mm -hmm. So I've never heard that, but that's very possible because there's something going on because I know when I measure my vitamin D after I've been in the sun a lot, it's not as high as I would expect. So there, there's probably something to that, yes. Yeah, that's that's definitely a supplement we recommend people take. That, that's one of my D. key supplements, vitamin D, because most people's levels are low. Yeah. What are like two other supplements that you would recommend people well, to take? My, my, my four basic supplements that I recommend are vitamin D, a probiotic, a fish oil, and a good multi. And the good multi should have methylated folate or methylated B12. I think the methylation of those are very important. Sometimes magnesium, a lot of people are magnesium deficient, so there's not enough magnesium in the multi. But those would be the main ones. I mean, then you start getting more targeted for different things. But I think vitamin D, uh, probiotic, fish oil, and a multi are my basic four. (laughs) What do you think about turmeric? Love turmeric. So that comes. So in my book, I talk about the levels. So there's those. Those are the four, and then my next, my next level, <laughs> seven. I think turmeric is up there. I, I take turmeric. I recommend it to. I love turmeric. I think that's a wonderful supplement. So um, you know, I, I just yeah. You, know, you can't tell people to take a million supplements. I take a lot of supplements, but I mean, turmeric is definitely one of those important ones. Yeah. I love it, buddy. Well, listen, we've we've gone over on our time, and you've been so gracious to... Okay. Thank you for having me on, and uh, yeah. that's great. I love talking to people like you. You guys need to... Yeah, you are the next generation turning everyone on. I love it. Yeah, I love it too, and I love your backstory of how you got into this. You know, it was this, I guess, like the spiritual healer that came in and opened your eyes to this new pathway. Yep. and Basically, yep. It's, yeah. it's just, it's a really cool story. And I love how you have a multi-variant approach to medicine, which I think everybody should start adapting to. And we're seeing it show up in the world like that. So thanks Sorry. for taking a stand. Thanks. Thanks, Drew. Thanks for having me on. All right, my friend. Okay. We'll talk to you soon. We're in this Great. together.
Ubuntu. Okay. <laughs> and my friends, what's that sound? It's Organifi, the world's best tasting superfood green juice that I absolutely love and adore. And I want to give you $20 off right now when you head on over to fitlife.tv. Get $20 off. This stuff naturally hydrates and revitalizes you, balances out your hormones. There's no fillers, no additives. It alkalizes your body, boosts your immune function, and supports mental clarity. Also helps you detoxify. One of my favorite things on the planet. Get it now. Organifi Superfood All Organic Green Juice. Mmm, mmm, mmm. So good. <laughs> 